Okay, welcome back to episode two of Dynasty Kings. I am Luke, that is Kyle, and today we will be talking all things quarterback. Kyle, I'll let you lead us off. Start us off, buddy. Yeah, um, so today's episode is really just focused on the quarterback position in general. I know last week we kind of hopped around, but I figured this week we'd give a little more of a focused approach and you know really break down some quarterbacks we love, some quarterbacks we really hate, um, and then really just a few of the quarterback situations that are out there right now. Because with the free agency uh, kind of concluded almost, and um, with the quarterback rooms that are now in session, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how these situations pan out. So if we're going to start things off, though, uh, I think we're going to start off on the hate category. And my first quarterback that I hate, and I know I'll probably get a lot of slack for this, is Lamar Jackson. And let me clarify this because I know people are going to already be texting me and stuff the second they hear this. Um, Lamar Jackson, I don't hate him as a player and I don't hate his future in the league. What I hate is his value right now in fantasy. I think he's being overvalued. And if people have him, they're selling him for a lot. I I know I saw um, in my own league personally, somebody tried to get me to give him two first round picks and Kyler Murray for Lamar Jackson. Now, that might be an extreme case of somebody trying to get it, but all my opinion is this. Look, everything aligned for Lamar Jackson. All the stars were perfect. He was very good through the air, but in limited quantities. I mean, he only threw 3,000 yards, but somehow threw 36 touchdowns. I'm not sure that will ever happen again. If it does, good for him. I mean, he ran 1,200 yards on the ground, but at the same notion, I mean, how long can you run until you – you know, get hurt and aren't healthy anymore. And he has a few fumbles in his career as well. And the last thing I really just want to bring up about Lamar Jackson uh, is, you know, you look back at a guy like Cam Newton's MVP season. I kind of use that as a comparison to what Lamar Jackson, uh, what could happen to him? Because I know everybody bought into Cam Newton after that season, including myself. And I got burned really bad on that, like extremely bad (laughs) across the board. Luke, what are your thoughts on him? You know, I I have to agree with you about Lamar Jackson. When I look at the kid, I see somebody who can run the ball incredibly. He runs the ball better than I think Michael Vick ever did. I think when he decides he's going to run, he reads the field incredibly. Now, the problem is, is the quarterback position is built on passing. I think if you look at his stats during his first full season starting for the Ravens, his pass numbers aren't anything to jump off the board when it comes to his yards. Um, you really need to focus on this too, is that a lot of his throws were short yardage throws. You know, you didn't see him throw huge long bombs. And I don't even know if a lot of his receivers besides maybe Marquise uh, Brown could really achieve those deep throws. It's a big thing to remember with Lamar that when you run the ball that often, there is a really high chance you're going to fumble it. And looking at his stats, just in last season alone, he fumbled the ball nine times. In his total career, he's fumbled the ball 21 times. And he's lost six of those 21 fumbles. I think it's lucky that he hasn't lost more than that. However, if you're going to play with a quarterback that runs the ball that often, the chances of you succeeding when it when he has to start maturing and sitting in the pocket longer in a dynasty format, I don't know how long that holds up. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I just think, you know, uh, to clarify with people, I don't, uh, I think he's going to have another good season. Don't get me wrong, but I think he's going to regress considerably. I don't really see him doing exactly these numbers. I mean, if you look at, I don't know what the average is, but I can't, I can't imagine the guy doing something like 3,000 yards and 30 plus touchdowns again. Most guys, it takes them about four to 5,000 yards to even break the 30 yard, uh, 30 touchdown marker. So something like that, it's just not realistic to duplicate again. You know what I mean? Cause it's just uh, the, the numbers don't add up. Yeah. A hundred percent. I have to agree with you on that one. I think as we're talking about quarterbacks who can be dual threat options, I have to talk about my least favorite quarterback going into this season for fantasy value has to be Teddy Bridgewater. I think you look at Teddy Bridgewater and what pops off, the page for him is that one season he had last year with the saints where he started five games while breeze was injured. And you know what? He didn't play terribly. He, uh, he looked good. He threw for about 1300 yards, had nine TDs and only two interceptions. So as in a limited capacity, that looks great. However, what you need to remember about Teddy Bridgewater is he is 27. He's going into his 28 year season You know, he's going to be on the wrong side of 30 very soon. And his best statistical season, when talking about him, he only ever threw for 3,200 yards. And, you know, he only had 14 TDs and nine interceptions. That was his best full season starting with the Minnesota Vikings a few years ago. Uh, I think when you talk about Teddy Bridgewater, he's a guy who's being valued way too highly. If you look at a guy like Cam Newton, who I think is a way better quarterback then Teddy Bridgewater, towards the end of his career in Carolina, the guy started to struggle distributing the ball. I don't know how well Teddy Bridgewater will succeed in this new system that he's being brought into. Now, granted, they did bring in a new head coach. They're revamping the offense. You know, he has CMC sitting right beside him. However, I just don't know that he'll be able to take the next step into becoming a franchise, reliable dynasty option. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I do have high hopes for Teddy Bridgewater this season. I did like him um, that season before he tore uh, his ACL and dislocated his knee, and I had high hopes for them him then. So I am happy he's getting another chance again, but I definitely see your hesitations on it um, for sure. And again, he doesn't have the deep ball to really – do a lot of the things that a lot of other quarterbacks can do. So I know me personally, I don't know how I feel about somebody like Robbie Anderson signing there. I wouldn't really touch that guy with a 10 foot pole. If you have the guy rostered, I probably try to get rid of him. Now the only people that you could trust in Carolina are DJ Moore and CMC. And I'm sure quarterback situation aside, DJ Moore is going to have a great year, but I definitely see your hesitations as far as Teddy Bridgewater goes, because I don't, Again, his best season isn't anything to go crazy about. And actually, just to bring this back around to Lamar Jackson, I mean, you look at that. So Bridgewater threw 3,200 yards and only threw 14 touchdowns. Lamar Jackson threw 3,100 yards and threw 36. See what I'm talking about when I say it's not realistic for Lamar Jackson to throw 36 touchdowns with 3,100 yards again? Yeah, honestly, a lot of his touchdowns came in that red zone when we're talking Lamar. Uh, If you put Lamar... 40 yards out from the end zone and you say, okay, I need you to bomb this down the field. Chances are that's not happening. No, exactly. Even if you, if you go back and watch the pro bowl, the freaking <laughs> pro bowl, he got beat out 
by wide receivers <laughs> in the precision pass. Uh, I knew you were going to bring that up. We were talking about it before. I, you're a first-round pick. You're a first-round pick, and you are being beat out by wide receivers and passing. Yeah, man, that's crazy. <laughs> Maybe it's the environment. I don't know, you know, because it's not as serious. But I definitely get the hesitations with both those guys. Um, the next guy up, oh, God. Uh, Phillip Rivers is my next quarterback that I really just like for this season. I wrote a note here. Uh, he's got too many kids. He's got too many head cases already in his house. Uh, but, no, on a serious note, Rivers last season, uh, 66 percentage, 4,600 yards. So not bad, but 23 touchdowns and 20 interceptions. So very run-of-the-mill, um, kind of a prototypical river season out of the last few years. And I would say, honestly, that Chargers team in general was held back by Phillip Rivers last year. There's a lot of games that he let get to him and he let slip out of reach. And it's time that the excuses that we've given to Rivers, uh, they have to stop. Everybody's always said he hasn't had this, he hasn't had that. He's never in games because of X, Y, and Z. I just, I don't see it anymore. In my opinion, the guy's too old. I don't really like him in Indianapolis. But to be fair, I don't think Brissett's the answer either. I think Indy, if they're smart, will take a quarterback in this draft, maybe take a shot on the guy like Jordan Love, who they could easily get in this draft, and develop him behind a guy like Rivers. And hopefully that way it pans out. But as far as this season goes, God, no. Uh, you couldn't pay me to have the guy. Yeah, when you're talking about uh, drafting older quarterbacks or acquiring older quarterbacks to throw on your fantasy roster, you know, the guys I would normally go after for probably get cheaper would be Tom Brady, Drew Brees. You know, my problem with Phillip Rivers is, is he's so up and down yep. with his playing. You know, one one season, the guy looks pro bowler. You go, that's the guy who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, even if he doesn't win a Super Bowl. And then next season, he's you're like, oh, you know what? He kind of had like an Andy Dalton season. You know, does it get better than that going forward? And I don't know, you know, going into that Colts offense, I don't know if it's uh, any more um, liberal with the passing than what the Chargers had going. I think he's walking into a more conservative landscape with the Colts, and it's going to restrict his ability to throw the ball more often. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The one thing I will say, though, and I think I mentioned this already to Luke, too, uh, follow the correlations when it does come to Phillip Rivers. Just because you don't want to own Phillip Rivers, and I don't want to own the guy, but follow what's happened when he goes and plays for a team. Like with the Chargers, tight ends, and running backs who can catch, benefit a lot so just keep that in mind and that's all i'll say on that 100 percent can't agree more with that statement now moving forward i just talked about teddy bridgewater <laughs> i gotta bring a full circle i have to talk about the guy who took that spot from him on that roster Taysom hill i think Taysom hill is the most overrated <laughs> player i'm sorry <laughs> he is you can't pay me to want to touch that guy. And everybody's taking him as an option. Like, you know what? Breeze is gone after this year. He's gone after two years. They're going to give the ball to Taysom Hill. I hope they don't. I really hope they don't. He is two years older than Bridgewater. He's 29. He has played in two full seasons out of the three years he's been in the league. In his first season, he only threw for 64 yards threw a pick, no TDs, and had a 36.3 passer rating. Then we move into 2019. In 2019, you know, he throws 55 yards, 
Nobody really talks about his passing. It's his, it's the gadget plays that he runs in that offense that everybody's talking about. I don't see Taysom Hill as a reliable passer moving past Breeze. I think the guy is a lot of fun to watch. I think he's a really cool story. You know, he came from that Mormon school, BYU. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wrote him off. They're like, you know what, he might not be that great. And Sean Payton, bless his soul, the guy's got a mind to make anybody look great, really it showed what Taysom Hill can do as an athlete. And I think as an athlete, he is incredible. You don't see a lot of guys like him walk onto the football field. However, when you're talking passing, I'm going to compare him to somebody. I'm going to compare him to somebody. I just gave you his stats. I'm going to give you somebody else's stats. Kyle, I want you to take a guess who this is. So this guy I'm talking about has a career 59.1% completion rate. Has done for 184 yards with one touchdown and one pick apiece. And has an 82.4 passer rating. Who would you think that is? Jesus. Uh, Muhammad Sanu. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Not a, not a bad not a bad guess. Not a bad guess. Unfortunately, I'm talking about Rams punter Johnny Hecker. Oh Jesus! So we're now talking about the punter for the Rams, who's probably on their depth chart, like the fourth string QB, has better stats than Taysom Hill. And granted, you could say Hecker, you know, has been in the league a little longer. Yada yada yada. He's been given the opportunity to pass more than Taysom Hill, and it has shown. I think Taysom Hill has bust written all over his face, and even if he's available to you at the end of the draft, move on. Don't touch him. Take a defensive player for all I care. Take a cornerback. Do not touch Taysom Hill. Damn. Shots fired at Taysom Hill. So anybody who loves him, you know, you got to go find him, Luke. Uh, <laughs> no, I couldn't agree more. Honestly, I just don't think there's enough on the guy. You know what I mean? Like, I get your take and stuff like that, but I haven't even seen this guy in an actual quarterback position role yet. So for what you're telling me, you could be completely right. But also, I have no idea what this guy can do. I've seen the gadget plays, and it's cool to watch him. And again, as you said, he's a great story. But his sample size is so small. How the hell am I supposed to judge a guy who's thrown 100 yards in the last two seasons? Like, I just don't I don't know what to tell you. And that also tells me another thing. I don't know how fresh he is. I mean, if he's only thrown 100 yards in the last two seasons, I know Bridgewater's been the backup there. During that span of time, he hasn't even been getting quarterback two reps. He's been getting quarterback three reps. And then on top of that, only just being in gadget plays. So I don't even know how fresh he is now. He's not even really a quarterback anymore. I don't know what you would call him. So I don't really see the point of buying him. I'm Maybe I'll buy him in a few leagues, like just because I like to have almost shares of everybody when it really comes down to it. Uh, but overall, I, I would stay away from him. I agree. Yeah, hundred you know, percent. My last <laughs> thing I'm going to say about Taysom Hill, and then I'll I'll leave his poor Mormon soul alone. <laughs> um, you know, when you're talking about Taysom, the biggest thing to, and I mentioned this earlier, but the biggest thing you have to focus on is he's 29. Yep. He turns 30 on August 23rd. By the time Breeze is out of, you know, if he sticks around for two more seasons, by the time Breeze is out, you're looking at a 32-year-old quarterback who hasn't even thrown 1,000 yards in his career. Yeah, mic drop. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know what else you could say on it, right? <laughs> I mean, call, call me, call me B B Rabbit from Eight Mile because I just fucking flamed him. I love it. Uh, my next one too. Oh god! I, apparently, I just love the controversy because my next one's gonna get me some hate as well. I know there's a lot of Niners fans who already listened to episode one, so uh, you know I'm coming after your boy though, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Man, I just I don't see it at all. Uh, last season, 69 percentage uh, passer uh, uh, completion percentage, not bad. 4,000 yards, almost 27 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. So a decent season. Don't get me wrong, um, but I, I just want to say a few things on him that really, in my opinion, are more important. I don't think he shows up in the big moments at all. I, I don't think Shanahan trusts him at all in his offense. And I, you know, in the Super Bowl, the biggest stage of all, he had a really horrible game. Uh, two hundred nineteen yards. One touchdown, two interceptions, and a 70 per, uh, rating overall. So, I mean, when it really comes down to it, I think when you look at how Shanahan uses him, I think you can definitely see there's a lack of trust in the system. When Shanahan was in Atlanta, Matt Ryan was the fucking man. I mean, he was incredible. And they utilized all their weapons beautifully. And I just don't see that level of trust in a guy like Jimmy G. And I think it shows in the fact that there were all these rumors this offseason that the Niners were after Tom Brady. And I think it shows that Shanahan doesn't really trust this guy long term. Yeah, you know what? To speak on that, I don't even trust Shanahan long term. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think he's anything special. I think his dad was something special. I think Mike Shanahan was something special. I think I would say he's probably one of the top 10 coaches to ever, you know, be in the game. But when I think of Kyle Shanahan, fuck, he probably steals all of his stuff from his, yeah. uh, from his dad. And um, it doesn't it doesn't reflect on the field with Jimmy G. I think when you compare Jimmy G to Matt Ryan, even though Jimmy G is a bit younger, you know, uh, he's, oh, he's a handsome yeah. guy. He's a handsome guy. You see the girls he goes out with? He's a <laughs> handsome guy. Unfortunately... That's going to do shit for your fantasy team. I think when you're talking fantasy, you have a better... I would say spend a higher pick. Grab Matt Ryan. He's older, but you know the stats he's going to throw up. He's got an arm. He reads the field remarkably. When I'm talking Jimmy G, I'm talking a guy who just doesn't have that IQ. I don't think he was the guy... I think Belichick made him look a lot better than what he actually is. And I think... Uh, Jimmy G capitalized that on that by signing that massive contract. And I think he has everybody fooled into thinking that he's a Pro Bowl level oh, yeah. quarterback. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more, uh, honestly, when it really comes down to him. I just, as long term, I don't really see it. He kind of reminds me a little bit of like Kirk Cousins as well. I know the Vikings, for some reason, want to keep throwing money at him. But let's just be honest, they're never winning anything with Kirk Cousins at the helm. 100%, 100%. Now, uh, sticking to fools, guys who are going to fool you. You know, my last guy I really want to talk about. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry for any truthers who are still out there, but I doubt there are any. Derek Carr. I think when you talk about Derek Carr, you talk about a guy who four years ago looked like the future of the league. This was a guy whose arm was being compared to Brett Favre. This was a guy who was in talks for MVP. He was in talks to be an All-Pro. He made that Raiders team look special. And when he got hurt in the playoffs, it reflected 
how important he was mm-hmm. to that team. Now, going forward and keep progressing through those years, every year he has dropped lower and lower on dynasty rankings. As of today, he is ranked number 24 on draft calculators rankings for quarterbacks. I think he still possesses a decent arm. I his And his stats prove that. Like, he still had... 4,000 yards, threw for 21 touchdowns and eight interceptions with a passer rating of 100. But the problem is is that he's inching closer to that 30-year-old mark, which scares anybody who's smart. And his ability to read the field is terrible. He will overthrow receivers. He'll overthrow uh, tight ends. He just can't make those good decisions and to top it all off whatever clutch gene he showed a few years ago is completely gone now granted when we talk about the draft class he came in with we're talking guys like blake bortles teddy bridgewater johnny fucking football i still think Derek carr is the best quarterback out of those guys to come out of that draft class however speaking strictly dynasty wise he is a cancer he will let you down, and Marcus Mariota is coming for his job. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that at the end. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm. I'm in the same boat when it comes to Derek Carr. I didn't actually. I didn't put the correlation together till you just said it. But I forgot that all those guys were in the same draft class. So that draft class isn't looking too good, uh, to say the least. But I just wanted to make one point on Derek Carr. I'm not c- crazy on him either. But it's important to note. You know, yeah, he had the four thousand yards, but it's also important to note he didn't really have much help. Uh, when it comes around what's around him. So maybe if the Reds, the Raiders can get, you know, another wide receiver, he's going to have another shot this year, but me and Luke both are on the same page when it comes to Mariota. We want to see him get a chance again at some point with a system that's actually built around the guy. Um, I think Carr is over and done with. I think both, uh, both Carr and his older brother were not what the league, uh, needs and what the league will ever be unfortunately Uh, i think they were both great college guys but just for some reason their game didn't translate into the nfl but you know Derek carr could always go his brother's route and become some sort of big face on tv because i'm pretty sure his brother's doing just fine (laughs) yeah you know his you know what i find so interesting is you watch the nfl network and you see guys like david carr commenting on guys who are currently in the nfl it's like he forgets that he was – I heard Pat McAfee talk about this. I'm going to reiterate what he said. It's like he forgets that he yep. was garbage. He was garbage. I would put him on bust ratings as Russell oh, in yeah. 2007. And, uh, I mean, there's another one too. It's, uh, I saw his rankings the other day for running backs, uh, Chris Sims. Like, I don't know how – like, like I get it. Like, yeah, I'm not in the NFL, but – I can't really sit in the position like these guys and be like, oh, yeah, I'm in the NFL. I didn't make it at all. Now let me judge people uh, who are in the NFL right now. I don't know. It's kind of just like it's weird. I don't know how to explain it. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's like, oh, okay, I guess, you know, you didn't make it. But now you could judge all the people who are in it. I don't know how to explain it. You know what I mean? It's 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess that's that's what it is. Literally what it is. I mean, but to get back on track, I just do want to. I do want to dive more yeah, into the Mariota sure. thing. I do think when Mayock was draft, when Mayock was an analyst, he was high on Mariota. He loved Mariota coming out of college. I loved Mariota coming out of Oregon. I thought 
he was better than Winston um, going forward after that draft. You know, both guys did not really pan out to what everybody kind of expected them to be. But I do think that because Mayock still kind of has a chub <laughs> going for uh, going for Mariota, it's not unlikely that you see Mariota start getting some real play. And I, they wouldn't have paid him what they paid him to come in and not put some pressure on Derek Carr. You know, we're talking about a guy who was a former number two overall pick. You know, you don't bring those guys in not expecting them to put some pressure on the on the current oh, yeah. quarterback. I mean, situation. I couldn't agree more. And I want to say another thing, too. I mean, this new regime that the Raiders have brought in, uh, you know, underneath Chucky has already shown in the past that they don't give a crap when you were drafted. I mean, they shipped out Khalil Mack for a bag of peanuts. They got rid of Amari Cooper, uh, you know, right when he was kind of hitting the peak of his career. And now he's doing wonders on the Cowboys and just got fucking paid like big time, man. Five years, a hundred mil. Good for him. Um, you know, so they've already shown like that. They don't really care, you know, and Carr was kind of a piece of that old regime. You know what I mean? And I don't think Chucky gives a crap about him. And if Mariota is the answer moving forward and he plays a good game or two, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a Tannehill situation only. In this case, Mariota would be Tannehill and Derek Carr would be Marcus Mariota. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that. But we also got to remember, there's a wild card in that QB room. And that's Nathan Peterman. <laughs> you, you, you never know. know what's going to They could just throw him out there and, you know, just tank another season if they want, right? <laughs> 100%. But you could also be like, oh, Nathan Peterman, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer in 10 years. You, you never know. You never know. All right. So we just talked about quarterbacks we hate. But I'm a positive guy. You know, I like jazz. I like dancing. I can groove. I like to be positive. So I think now we're going to talk about quarterbacks that we love. And I'm going to start us out with the OG frat boy in the NFL, Drew Locke. I think you look at Drew Locke, you see a young quarterback. This is a guy who in the second round who I think could have even gone in the first round. And in the, in the games he started last year, he had 1,000 yards, 7 TDs, and a passer rating of 89 they won four of the five games he started for the Broncos last season. He has an ideal quarterback build that I know gets John Elway excited in all the right places. You know, he's 6'4", 228, he's only 23. And at the end of the season, I don't think there's another quarterback in the league who has some of the best com- chemistry that Locke has with Sutton and Fant. I think Locke is the long-term future in Denver, and he is the guy that they've been sorely missing since Peyton Manning left. I think he's what Paxton Lynch should have been. I think he's a locker room leader. I think he's charismatic. And just like Jimmy Garoppolo, he's one handsome dude. And I think some of the best quarterbacks happen to be handsome. Mm -hmm. I think if you have the opportunity to get lock in your draft, or if you have the opportunity to trade for him, you need to do it as soon as possible. Because mark my words, come next season, Drew Locke will be way too expensive to buy. I don't think he'll be what Kyler Murray is. But I do think Drew Locke possesses all the right abilities to be one of the NFL's next best QBs. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I've already said in the past on the show, I'm a big fan of Font. I'm a big fan of Sutton. So I'll reiterate that again. Those are two of the best young weapons in the league. You arguably have uh, in Denver Brewing right now, a top 10 quarterback of the future, most likely, as long as, you know, all things go right for Locke. A wide receiver with top 10 potential at minimum top 15 to top 20. And a tight end who, in my opinion, is a lot top 10 tight end this season. So right now, you really have a good storm brewing in Denver. I'll reiterate again, I do not like Melvin Gordon in Denver. And I wish they would have just stuck with Philip Lindsay. But... You know, beggars can't be choosers, and I like Locke's situation regardless. As Luke said, he won four of his last five games, and he's a natural-born leader. And honestly, I love rooting for the guy because I just think he's the man. I really want to see him succeed at the end of the day because I think he's hilarious. Yeah, no, he's he is awesome. I think watching Drew Locke play is watching a guy that John Elway's been begging for to come into his team. You know, he he looks like John Elway too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he doesn't have the arm that Elway has. But granted, I don't think we'll see a lot of quarterbacks come into the league having an arm like Elway had. Um, when looking at Locke, I see a guy who's got his head on his shoulders. And I think that's a big thing for quarterbacks, whether that's on the field or off the field. Because even in Dynasty or any sort of fantasy, if your guy gets suspended... He's about as worthless to you as if he was injured. And I think Drew Locke possesses every capability of being the next best thing. And mark my words, he will lead the Broncos to a Super Bowl within the next six years. Oh, man. Bold predictions coming out, Luke. I like it, though. I like it a lot. Uh, For my first guy, uh, I'm going to give my boys in New York some love. And I know one of our already listeners is going to really like this. A good friend of mine uh, named Kirk. Uh, My first one is Sam Darnold. I'm a big supporter of Sam Darnold. I think a lot of people are overlooking him uh, after last season. You know, 62 percentage, uh, 3,000 yards, 19 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions last year. You have to keep in mind he missed a handful of games. Uh, But really, where it's really important to look at when it comes to Sam Darnold is how good he was down the stretch. He won six out of the last eight games that the Jets played. There's a lot of people out here in New York who believe that if they – that if Darnold didn't get mono to start the season, that the Jets had a chance to make the playoffs. And I don't really disagree with that at all. I mean, us us Bills shouldn't have beat them week one at all. I don't even know how we pulled that off. We were down 16 to nothing in the fourth quarter. We got extremely lucky to even get that win. So if you had another two to three wins on the Jets numbers of last year, I think they're a playoff team. Uh, they have a lot of new weapons coming into that room. Rashad Perriman was a great addition. It looks like he's finally figured things out. We'll see if that continues. Who knows? They have a former first-round draft pick in Josh Doxson, who they brought in, who, if he can figure it out, could be very good. You know, obviously, he hasn't done it yet. And uh, what happened to him in Washington is a shame, but... Rashad Perriman was in a situation where he wasn't good where he initially started and he became a superstar in Tampa Bay. And then lastly, I mean, it's already known that the Jets are going to take a wide receiver in the first round. I I think most people really think they're going to take Judy, most likely, and I would love to see him go there. So if you have him come in there too, uh, Herndon doesn't get suspended at all, hopefully, you know, that's a pretty good good supporting cast. You know what I mean? And Bell in the year two of an offensive system. 100%, 100%. 100%, 100%. You also can't ignore Jamison Crowder, who's also yep, there. I did. I forgot to bring him up, but yes, Jamison Crowder is very good as well. 
And I don't, I don't blame you for forgetting of him because I think a lot of people would forget about Jameson Crowder. I think when you compare him, you would compare him to a guy like John Brown. Uh, I do think Jamison Crowder has the potential to be a really good wide receiver too in this league. And I think he has the capability of just lighting it up when he has the opportunity. You know, I think if Sam Darnold wasn't such a horny prick, <laughs> that Jets season would have been a lot different. You know, yeah, man. Um, Who gets I, <laughs> I, I don't know anybody who's gotten mono since the 10th grade. <laughs> It's a true point, man. I don't know anybody who's gotten it past 20 years old. Like that is just like, that's some talent right there for him to be able to get that. I already joked around with a bunch of my buddies around here. I was like, Sam Darnold better be on lockdown because if somebody's going to get coronavirus, it's going to be Sam Darnold, man. <laughs> oh, 100%. That guy just has shameful luck. I think he has some of the worst luck possible. Uh, but you know what? Let's talk about a quarterback with good luck. This is my guy. This is my guy. You know, I'm a huge Seahawks fan. No surprise, Russell Wilson. You know what? He is one of my favorite quarterbacks for dynasty owners. He is 31, you know, and he is on the wrong side of 30. However, that has not shown in his play. As he has progressed as a quarterback, what you've seen is a guy who started off in the league who scrambled a lot, who used his feet a lot to make plays. And over the course of his career, has become a mature quarterback who can sit in the pocket, let one rip, and when need to, create amazing plays with his feet. Last year, threw for 4,100 yards, 31 touchdowns on five interceptions. In my opinion, he should have been MVP. I think that compared to Lamar Jackson, sure, Lamar had an interesting season. You'd never seen anybody rush like that before, or you know. However, I think when you're talking about guys who personify what an MVP looks like, it's Russell Wilson. Yeah. And in years past, he has kept some subpar Seahawk offenses in contention, especially with some of the offensive lines that he's been given. Yeah. I think if it wasn't for him, the Seahawks wouldn't be where they are. I think he's a buy now candidate. How? I will say I saw him go third overall in a draft last week. Don't know what that kid was thinking. <laughs> yeah. But he did it. And you know what? It might have been a stretch, but I do think Russell Wilson can be worth a first-round tender. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And um, I think, honestly – with Wilson, uh, just consistency is the biggest key. The guy really comes in, works his ass off, and the results show every day. And just because he's on the wrong side of 30, I mean, that doesn't really mean anything at the quarterback position as much, honestly, uh, especially when it comes to like guys like Wilson who are just getting smarter at the game. I mean, you look at Brady, his numbers are considerably better for him after he turned 30 than when he was younger. He wasn't even that good of a quarterback when he was younger. He sort of um, adjusted his game and learned more about the league and became a way better quarterback over time. I think Wilson is actually very, very much a lot like Brady in that sense. And it's also important to note that at the end of the last season, the Seahawks lost both their running backs. And I don't know how last year would have went if they had both their running backs in the playoffs. Because I think things would have been a little different. 100%. 100%. I think Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, that combo, took a lot of pressure off of Russell Wilson. I will say this about Russell Wilson. Now, this could play into your ranking of him or not. 
He is the biggest simp in the NFL. <laughs> I don't think we've ever seen a guy quite as simp <laughs> as Russell Wilson. Yeah, that that definitely makes him first overall contention right there. <laughs> First overall for simp of the year. If you make that award, Russell Wilson's running away with it. Screw a Walter Payton or Walter uh, Payton patch on the (laughs) on the jersey. Just put big S for simp right on the jersey. There you go. That's my only. That's my only draw on the guy. I really do think once his career is over, whether he wins another Super Bowl or not, he will be talked about as one of the best quarterbacks to play in the modern era. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of him too. So, so far, uh, just to reiterate, Luke's got frat boy of the year and simp of the year as his two quarterbacks he really loves. So just just so you guys know what Luke's about, you know. <laughs> for, for my next guy. Only, only real only men. Real men only. Right? <laughs> yeah, for my next guy, I'm actually going to now switch over uh, to different speed uh, and talk about a team that I personally despise. But you know what? I got to talk about the guy anyways uh, and i'm going to actually take the guy who in my opinion is the most underappreciated quarterback in the league and that's carson wentz uh the fact that people don't realize at this point that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league i just it's it's frustrating talking to people who somehow don't like this guy uh he's good through the 64 percent last year 4,000 yards 27 touchdowns seven interceptions 93 rating so good numbers um basically run on the mill nothing incredible but you have to keep in mind he had zero help through the air at all i mean he had no wide receivers go over 500 yards i mean to think that the guy threw 4,000 yards without a single wide receiver breaching the 500 yard marker in my opinion is just mind-blowing it really is and there's important things to note with him uh, great head coach there. Peterson is a very good head coach. They're always going to bounce back together. Uh, Miles Sanders is entering year two this season, and he is one of my favorite workhorse backs for this season. And I think that's going to take a lot of pressure off of Wentz. And on top of that, it looks like the Eagles are targeting Jefferson in the draft, who would be a perfect fit for that offensive system. So if they can bring in a new wide receiver for Wentz to have some more love, and they already have the best tight end duo in the league, hands down, I think that overall should bring Wentz back up into the conversation of top five in the league, because I think it's kind of disrespectful that a lot of people don't even put him in top 10 anymore. 100%. I 100% agree with that. Uh, Everything you just said. I think it's preposterous when so many people right now are talking about Dak and whether he deserves the money he's asking for or not. I think Carson Wentz, even though sometimes his stats don't pop like Dak has in the past, I think Carson Wentz really is a more solid QB than Dak. You know, it does suck that the Eagles just don't know how to draft offensive Mm -hmm. pieces. You know what? They build some amazing front sevens for the defense. I would say their front seven is one of those front sevens. If I was an offense lineman, I'd be terrified to go up against. But the problem with the Eagles is that they just can't draft these wide receivers. Nelson Aguilar, bust. You know, they trade for Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, he was okay for like a season and season and a half, but he's completely fallen off the map and has lost all respect uh, from Carson Wentz after leaking stuff that happened in the locker room to the media. And, uh, and, and JJ uh, Whiteside just, you know, couldn't stay healthy. 
these things happen. Uh, you know, he got the bad end of the stick. But I think going forward, he's still young. Carson Wentz is only 26. He's not going to get younger. But I can't see his play not getting better once he starts getting older. Mm-hmm. I think Carson Wentz has doesn't have huge steps he needs to take. But I do think that those little steps are going to come out and are going to be shown through the next couple of years. Yeah, seasons. 100%. I couldn't agree more. And actually, you already mentioned one of the guys who I'm kind of targeting as a late flyer, but JJAW or uh, Sega Whiteside, uh, I think year two will be a lot more kinder to him, to say the least. I, I At least I hope so, right? I mean, the guy had a lot of talent coming into the league, so I'm hoping the Eagles learn how to use him properly and maybe him not having to be a big centerpiece, but maybe in the slot or at the two position instead could be very beneficial. I really hope they take Jefferson in the draft. I think he's a perfect fit there. 100%, 100%. And good, talking about guys who already have it, who just haven't capitalized on having it yet, I got to talk about Baker Mayfield. You know, his, his first season, his rookie season, looked really Insane. promising. It looked insane. He did some really incredible things. Then going into his second season, he had a lot of expectations riding on this guy's shoulders. And I think, you know what? He had a sophomore slump. It, it must have been a lot for him to come into that season knowing the pieces are around him, not having a rapport yet with Odell Beckham Jr., you know, uh, trying to create something with Freddie Kitchens, who in my case doesn't know what he was doing as an offensive corner. I think he got lucky in his first year in that role. And I think he has all the potential to be a huge, huge bounce-back guy. He still threw for 3,800 yards last year. He did have a positive TD to interception ratio. Granted, it was 22 TDs to 21. Still positive. (laughs) He's coming into a new offensive scheme now that Kitchens has gotten the boot. And hopefully this is going to crack and cut the amount of deep balls he was being forced to throw in that system. Because granted, he's an amazing quarterback, but he is not the type of guy who's going to bomb deep balls every single play. And that's what Kitchens was looking for in a quarterback, I think. Now, you know, going into this season, we've seen the chemistry he has with Landry. We know the chemistry he has with guys like Najoku and Chubb. I think he's had time now to build with Beckham. I think him and Austin Hooper will hit it off really quickly. And I can see that offense excelling. I think people are undervaluing what Baker Mayfield brings to the table. I think you can still get him for relatively cheap, whether you're trading for him or you're going for him in the draft. I think you can get him cheap. And I think by bringing him onto your team, you can still do well at the quarterback position while not having to take an earlier round guy. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think he's a huge uh, bounce back candidate for sure. I really hope him and OBJ figure it out because I have too many OBJ shares right now for him to just not figure this out. I, my, my heart will be broken. Uh, and um, you know, and not only, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, coming into a new offensive scheme for him, but I've, I think I've said this in the past already, but uh, if a quarterback is going to succeed in the NFL, the scheme has to be built around him and his strengths. 
Uh, and, you know, Freddie Kitchens brought in a scheme and it's like almost like, you know, when you're a kid and you had all those like little puzzles and you had to like pick the block to fit into like the little hole. And, it, you know, if it wasn't the square, it doesn't go in. Right. And you get resistance on that. And it's like almost like uh, Freddie Kitchens was taking a square and Baker was a circle and was trying to shove something in there that obviously didn't work. And we could all see it, but for some reason he couldn't. And, you know, with Baker, honestly, at the end of the day, if they can find the right system for him, I believe in the guy. And I hope he really does bounce back. I mean, I think what happened to him last year was a very needed gut check at the end of the day. And I said that in episode one, that I think he needed an ego check. And I think he's gotten it. 100%. percent. I think uh, if you do look at his actual gut, He's definitely He does. He does not have that six pack that I saw on that underwear catalog when he was first coming into the league. I do think that he he did get uh, knocked down a peg. I think that can only do better for him. He should play with a chip on his shoulder. I think that's what made him so great in college, playing with that chip on his shoulder. He has a lot to prove. Uh, shout out to Colin Cowherd for really sticking it to Baker. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I didn't believe in this guy, I wouldn't have named my dog <laughs> after him. That's the amount of trust I've put in. And actually, that's a good point you brought up about the chip on the shoulder thing. I think now that Baker has a lot of haters again, I think he's going to have a good season. I think he almost thrives off of it. You know what I mean? 100%. I think the best players, not just quarterbacks, the best players play with that chip on the shoulder. I think it's what made guys like Wes Welker, Tom Brady, so great in that New England Patriots system because they weren't high draft picks. They were guys who got slept on, who were told that they would never be it. And they played with that chip on their shoulder their whole career. And it only yep, made them 100%. better. So to wrap up the last um, this section right here with the last quarterback, as far as my list goes for the ones that I love, I'm going to bring up another guy from actually the same draft class as Carson Wentz. And that's Jared Goff. Uh, just like Baker Mayfield, I think this is a big bounce back candidate for sure that you could get very cheap right now that if, you know, you didn't want to take a quarterback early, he could be your quarterback, especially in a, uh, league. That's not a super flex. Like I would take this guy in the last round easily. You know what I mean? And you could easily get him there and worry about every other position and get stacked everywhere else. Uh, last season, 63%, uh, 46, uh, 4,600 yards, 22 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. So not amazing numbers, but there's a few things to keep in mind. He was down a weapon the whole year in Brandon Cooks, and now Brandon Cooks is gone, granted, but now they know he's gone, and they don't you know, plan to have him in their offense. So I'm hoping maybe they bring in somebody to actually you know, help that offense take the next step. Uh, there's a bit of a Super Bowl hangover in L.A. in general, I think, uh, for the Rams and for – you know, the most part, that team underperformed. It's not just Goff. Like, everybody did. Gurley had a down year despite his touchdowns, and now he's gone as well. So I think the change is going to be nice for all of them. Uh, McVay is still a genius, and if you don't think that, you are retarded um, or stupid. I'm sorry. I don't want to use that word. Like, because, like, like, honestly, McVay is so smart. He knows how to use Goff properly. I think they're going to completely bounce back 100%. 
And I think the last thing I want to bring up on him is really just, I think a lot of people are underestimating the weapons he still does have. Cooper Cup is a star. He's going to become something even more this season. Robert Woods, although 28, is still very good and put up great numbers last year. And I think their tight end situation has the potential to be one of the best tight end duos in the entire league. Higby came alive last year whenever it was hurt. If they can use the two of them together properly, you could almost have like an eagle situation with uh, Zach Ertz and um, uh, Dallas Goddard. Hundred percent, I hundred percent agree with you about the weapons he has around you. I think the only thing holding back Jared Goff at this point is Jared yep. Goff himself. I think, I think when you saw that mm. Super Bowl run, a big thing that made him look so good was having Todd Gurley with him, having that run game that they did not have last year. And I think that really showed. I think if Daryl Henderson can take that next step, going from a rookie to a pro, I think you can really see Jared Goff expect to take off. But I think a lot of it has to do with that run game. I think if his, you know what, he doesn't need to throw for 4,600 yards in a season. A guy like Goff needs to throw for 4,000 to 3,500 and put up TDs. I think if you can rely on a run game to march you down the field, Goff can seal it. He is, might I just add, stupid ugly. Yes. So we already know, we already said this earlier, we're not really sure how good of a quarterback he can be then, you know, because that's a direct correlation. (laughs) I mean, hey, look at some of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. Tom Brady. Tom Brady, handsome man, married to a supermodel. Russell Wilson, handsome man. Married to a supermodel. You know what? I can keep going. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, he's okay. See, I think Super he breaks handsome. your handsome your handsome take because Jimmy Garoppolo is the op- uh, the opposite. I, I'm not a fan of him, but I but I agree with you on your Jared Goff take. I don't think he needs to be amazing for the Rams to really bounce back in general. I don't know if Henderson's the answer. I have no idea what to tell you about that situation. What I will tell you though, and I told this to somebody earlier, if you have Henderson in the league and somebody's trying to buy him from you, don't do it right now. Wait until the rookie draft next week because if you sell this guy for something like, you know, like a second round pick or something like that, you're going to be kicking your ass if the Rams don't take a running back because you just gave away a workhorse for basically peanuts. But if you want to buy the guy and you can get him for a cheap, like, you know, something like a second round pick in the, you know, opposite situation. I would probably do that um, because even if the Rams do take somebody, I think he does have a role. So I'm not sure what really the answer is there. You can get him cheap and in a startup or maybe later in a startup, I think he's worth the gamble. But I think if you have him, you got to hold on to him for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. I I think with Daryl Henderson, uh, if you could potentially stack Goff and Henderson together, I think that would be a really good stack to have mm-hmm. on any team. I think, I think Henderson will, sh- will prove any haters wrong. I don't think no. he'll be Todd Gurley. I, th- I think to put what Todd, Todd Gurley did there in his you know, limited amount of years he played in L.A. and St. Louis, to try to compare the two, I don't think we'll ever be able to do. But I see Henderson being a 1,000-yard back. I don't know if he's the pass-catching option that Cur- Gurley was, but I do think he can run that ball, and he can run that ball hard. And even if he can't, they still have Malcolm Br- Brown. Yeah, I right always forget him. about Malcolm Brown. 
<laughs> but he is there, yeah. And I he could, he's probably somebody you could snag really late too, who will put up a couple hundred points this season, maybe even like honestly. And depending on the format, I could see him putting up easily over a hundred fantasy points this season because he was a uh, he was a little bit of thorn in the side of Gurley owners last year. He was, he was, but I think Gurley was the biggest thorn in the side yeah. of Gurley owners. I think if you took Gurley last year oh, in the Jesus. first round, you don't know you 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 don't know. If, like how yeah. to break down. Yeah, well, I think uh, yeah. the only consolation is if you were in a standard league, Gurley had a very good year because he had the 19 touchdowns. But if you were in PPR, you were definitely disappointed. But why would yeah, you play a standard? Know. We don't do that around here, just <laughs> so you guys know. <laughs> like, I like you know what? No yeah. offense to anybody. I think if, if you're a football fan, I'm really happy for you. Why would you play standard fantasy? It is so hard to keep track of the stats and what guys are doing yep. in standard. I always feel like I I did it one year and I just felt like I was being cheated all the time. I look at it and I'd be like, that guy had a hundred yards and two touchdowns. Why does he only have, you know, 18 points or something like that? It just didn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah. You know what? Honestly, that's how I felt about the end of Game of Thrones. No spoilers. Don't worry. All right. We are now going to talk about quarterback situations i think in the league you see a lot of guys who are in competitions right now that you wouldn't have expected from last season i think there's a few a few cases in the league where you see guys who are fighting to stay alive and kyle why don't you start us off with that yeah, um, so there's two we're going to talk about because we really want to take a deep dive into these situations. Uh, first one I want to talk about is Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen. Now, I didn't think this was going to be a situation, but now I'm hearing rumors that Kyle Allen has a chance for the starting job. So I guess we have to talk about it. Allen's 2019 stats, 62%, 3,300 yards, 17 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, and an 80 rating. Uh, I wrote a note here that, in my opinion, he's a poor man's Kirk Cousins. He's got really bad decision-making, uh, additional 13 fumbles and seven of them lost, and his college numbers aren't impressive. Uh, he was injured for a little bit and missed some time, but when he was playing, and the full season that I wanted to pull from was his 2015 numbers, which were 56%, 2,200 yards, 17 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and a 137 rating. And the college rating is a little different, so don't get twisted. That's not that good. Okay, uh, for Haskins, now, year one, not amazing. Don't get me wrong. He had a 58 percentage, 1,300 yards, uh, and a 76 rating, and seven touchdowns and seven interceptions. He's only 22 years old, and the Redskins knew, or I thought they knew when they drafted him, that he was going to take time and needed time to develop into something. He only started one full year in college, but his college numbers for that one season were incredible. He had a 70% completion percentage, 4,800 yards, 50 touchdowns, and eight interceptions with 174 rating. And I just wrote a note here, and this is the truth, I mean, do the math. Don't mess this up, Redskins. I think Haskins is the obvious choice for the job. If maybe they want to give him a little more time so Kyle Allen can be like basically a stopper until Haskins is ready, I don't dislike that idea. But if Haskins somehow doesn't get a full chance here and the Redskins move on, I will be sorely disappointed, but not that surprised because it's Washington. <laughs> I mean, Washington is notorious for where quarterbacks go for their career to die. Yep. Uh, you know, 
I don't think they ever thought they'd be in this situation when they got a hold of Alex Smith. I think what you're looking at here is a franchise that is scrambling to put pieces together to form something. I think Dwayne Haskins shouldn't have been put into his starting spot last year. Uh, When it came for him to touch the field, they should have signed somebody and given him time to mature. Mm -hmm. He has a wicked arm. He can read defenses pretty well for a rookie. I think he was so raw, though, that expecting him to jump from college to the NFL, especially with how light that Ohio State's uh, how light Ohio State's like competition was that year. It wasn't the immaculate competition, so he still had things he had to work on. I think Haskins, towards the end of the season, started to put it together a little bit better. I don't think he's on the level of Drew Locke and Kyler Murray yet. I think those guys are going to succeed before Haskins starts to. But I do think the biggest thing with Washington is to be patient. I think Kyle Allen is a poor man's Kirk Cousins. I 100% agree with you. Now, how poor would you have to be to invest in him? Pretty damn poor. (laughs) You know, that's like some welfare, like that's a welfare quarterback right there. He looked incredible when he took over after Cam Newton got injured last year. He really did look good for those first five games. You know, they were winning with him at quarterback. He looked like he was making great decisions. He was passing the ball well, and then he just fell apart. Yeah. He had so many fumbles. So many. 13 fumbles, lost half of them, and he just did not look like the same quarterback who had previously been there at the beginning of the season. I think Kyle Allen I think Kyle Allen has a long way to go to rebuild his reputation and for him I think that being in Washington was the best decision to make. Yeah. I think if you're Washington what you need to decide right now is, is do you want to try and mold Haskins raw talent while he's starting? Or do you want to give Kyle Allen the opportunity to start and let Haskins mold and go from being raw to more like a medium rare steak? You know, Hmm. I think that's what we need from Haskins. He needs, he's just, he needs more time. And like you said, he's 22. Yeah. He's got years and years of quality football ahead of him. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he's a bust. I think if you can get Haskins, get Haskins. Yeah, but don't expect the quality that you would get from another rookie quarterback like Kyler Murray. I couldn't agree more. I think if you're going to get Haskins, you just have to understand you almost got to treat him like your fourth quarterback. Like if you're in a super flex, you want three starters. That's a that's super flex one on one, right? Uh, if you're going to take Haskins, though, you almost have to treat him not like your third quarterback. You got to treat him basically like oh. 
this is a prospect. If you're in Debbie leagues, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, this is a guy I'm taking. And hopefully in two to three years, he's the guy I expect him to be because he might take another two years to become that. And that's totally fine. Aaron Rodgers took many years until he became a superstar and the quarterback position, you're supposed to, um, you know, take time until you grow into the role essentially. Uh, and when I'm really talking about Haskins, it's important to note a few things, you know, uh, as far as like, you know, Kyle Allen, even getting to Washington, let's be honest, Kyle Allen wouldn't even be given a chance right now if Rivera didn't have a homer for him. And that's the truth of the matter at the end of the day, he only got brought in because of the fact that Rivera and him have a history in the past. Uh, when it really comes down to it, Haskins needs to be, needs to be trusted by this regime. And they need to understand that he's going to take time. I don't know if they're willing to give him that time because I don't think, I don't think Washington does anything logically at all. Honestly, at the end of the day, I think that I love Washington's young weapons that are there. I'm a big fan of Scary Terry, aka Terry McLaurin. I think he is the man. I think he's going to have a ball in year. If guys can stay healthy, I like him a lot as well. And if Haskins can develop into something. You don't have a horrible base in Washington, but they're notorious for screwing things up. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Yeah, you know what? And it it just sucks that Washington's owner is probably top three worst owner. The worst in any major league. He sucks, and now he's basically the de facto. GM until they bring somebody else in. Granted, Bruce Allen wasn't very good either. He sucked pretty hard. However, when you're talking about Washington, it's all about patience. Patience, patience, patience. And that is something Dan Snyder has proven in the past. He's not very good with mm-hmm. And I think if they're not willing to be patient, they're going to ruin Yep the gift that they were given at the 12th pick. They didn't even have to trade up for Haskins, which everybody thought they were going to do. Haskins dropped to them. They got so lucky. Yep. And if they make the mistake of drafting a quarterback this year and not going with that young gun, they're going to ruin the development of their whole offense. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And this is something actually I want to bring up too. Um, I find that it's, it's horrible, but you know, a lot of times these quarterbacks get brought in and they get thrown basically into the deep end and then abandoned by their team and their system. And the Browns were notorious for doing this for 20-plus years, essentially. They bring in some guy, start him way before he should have been started, and it's actually it's very similar. Uh, we're going to switch boards for a second. It's very similar to a, a hockey goalie. When, when you have a hockey goalie, the timing of when you're going to bring that guy in is so vital because the second his confidence is ruined, you've basically destroyed his career. You can't, he can't be successful at that level. And you see it happen all the time. And I think the quarterback position is very much the same. You have to be careful about when you're going to throw these guys in the deep end. You obviously can't wait forever. Don't get me wrong. But when you throw somebody in and they get destroyed game after game, you, there's, a, there's a percentage chance that you could make this guy never want to step on the field again. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And now I want to segue from being patient to WTF. (laughs) Uh, And let's talk about the Chicago Bears quarterback room. Trubisky was never the option. He looked solid for a season, 
That one season where they brought in Cleo Mack, their defense ate everybody. Tariq Cohen looked like a passing, like a pass catching machine. Trubitsky was carried by the players around him into looking like a perennial MVP candidate. I think last season exposed the real player that was underneath all of that. He only had 3,100 yards on 17 TDs and 10 interceptions. If you look at the game tape, he notoriously overthrew passes that should have been routine for any other quarterback in the league. His decision-making is spent time to develop. I think he's been given every opportunity to look like the franchise quarterback, and he just hasn't done it. I think it's time to cut your losses. But instead of cutting your losses, they decided to bring in Big Dick Nick, otherwise known as Nick Foles, who is notorious, and I've been using that word a lot, but he is notorious for being Ryan Fitzpatrick 2.0. Mm-hmm. Now, what would be Ryan, Fat, Ryan Fitzpatrick 2.0? Well, that's a guy who walks into your quarterback room, somehow lucks into the starting quarterback position, and starts to convince everybody around him that he deserves to get more playtime. And then after this, he turns around and capitalizes with another team or with the same team and craps the bed. He craps the bed like a toddler learning how to potty train. And I think Nick Foles will not put a real quarterback position into place. I think by bringing in Nick Foles, you are bringing in mediocrity. And you are just encouraging that level of meh that was already present. In 2019, he had 736 yards for three TDs and two interceptions in the limited amount of games he got to play. Granted, he had a... However, that's a bad injury. You know, that's like a really important bone not to break. And then he lost his starting job to the human meme, Gardner Minshew. Mm -hmm. Tiger King himself. Tiger King himself took this man's job. Big Dick Nick went from looking like Ron Jeremy to, like, why am I watching this? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. Honestly, there's a quarterback situation I dislike the most in the league. I think Chicago might take the cake. I don't like anything that's going on there. I don't want Nick Foles. I don't want Mitch Zabriskie. I don't want either of them. I'd stay away from most of Chicago outside of um, – outside of uh, David Montgomery and maybe a little Anthony Miller, if I can get him late. Um, but yeah, I'm, I just, I, I can't stand Mitch Trubisky. I really can't. I don't like him as a quarterback. I don't think he's the answer long-term in Chicago. And I think people are starting to realize it. Now it's always important to bring up, bring up the true errors in the ways of the Chicago bears, because if we don't talk about it, you know, I think people are going to, you know, Forget about it. The Chicago Bears decided to trade up in that draft class and draft Mitch Trubisky in a draft class that had Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson in it. Please just let that sink in if you didn't know that or if you forgot about that. Like, 
you traded up in the draft class and passed two of the best quarterbacks in the league right now who will probably go down in the history of the sport as two of the best quarterbacks of all time when it's all said and done. Maybe that's an overreaction on my part, but I'm saying based off their resume already, that's the path they're trending towards. And now you have a guy who's trending towards the path of not even being in the league next year. Just think about uh, the idios, uh I can't even put words into it. Just Chicago, <laughs> you just – Man, I don't know how you trade up and not don't take Deshaun Watson. I can see you trading up and not taking Patrick Mahomes. Don't get me wrong. People thought he was too crazy when he was in college, and I understand. But Deshaun Watson, the kid was fresh off a championship where he was freaking amazing and had the balls to win that game in the last second. And literally, he had like everything you wanted a quarterback. Where's where's the logic? I just don't get it. Yeah, and you know what? There was no logic in that pick. Because if you even look at the trade that they did to move up, they moved up from the third pick to the second pick. They traded with San Francisco, gave up a boat to move up that one pick. And San Francisco never even wanted to touch the guy. They (laughs) fleeced the Bears. They did. And I think, you know what? When we were talking about Haskins, it, it was like, you should still draft him because he will someday be something as long as they're patient. With Foles and Trubitsky, don't touch them. Yeah. I can think of plenty of backup quarterbacks that I'd rather take over two mediocre starters. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Allen Robinson will have another great season like he did last season to make it worth taking the risk. I think what you're looking at here is cancer. Yeah. This is the worst type of quarterback cancer because both guys are just going to drag the other down. And eventually it's going to come to the point where you're going to be looking at these two and thinking, why did I draft them? Yeah, I couldn't agree more, especially in the turbulent, um, you know, the turbulent NFL we're in today. I mean, if you're in a situation where Mitch is your third um, and he loses his job and you're in a super flex, I would hate to be scrambling uh, because when you're scrambling and you're desperate and if let's say you're in a playoff position or you're right on the cusp, right, and you need to win this week, but then your bye week hits, right? And all you have on your bench is Mitchell Jabrinsky as your quarterback. Do you really feel comfortable as him being your quarterback too in any given situation? The answer is no, right? I mean, you thought I, I don't. Hell I wouldn't. No. I, yeah, I wouldn't even. No, never in any situation would I put him into the starting lineup. So, in my opinion, stay away from them, no matter what. Like, just just don't touch them. Yeah, I would not touch that. Would not touch up with a ten foot pole. I'd rather honestly just pull. Jamarcus Russell out of retirement and be like, kick this ball and do something. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but I I will go that far. I will go that oh far. I'd rather I'd rather sign Mohamed Sanu to play quarterback for my team before I pick those two. Mohamed Sanu has nasty stats though at quarterback, so you know I wouldn't be against he, that idea. He does yeah. like he hasn't he hasn't been like a terrible wildcat type of guy to throw in there. And I think, honestly, like if I had to pick in fantasy and it was like, oh, for some reason, Mohamed Sanu's listed as quarterback, I'm in my bye week or, or Nick Foles. Yeah, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Mohamed Sanu, I think. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I wouldn't blame you. I'm actually I just pulled up his stats on 
throwing. Let's see what it says here. Ah, where's the touchdowns? Okay, so he's got four touchdowns in his career. You know, 87% completion percentage and 233 yards and zero pick. Yeah, I'll take Muhammad Sanu all day over Trubisky. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I'm glad we're on the same page because, honestly, if you had said anything different, I was going to hop on a plane, hop on a plane in this difficult time just to go to New York and beat your ass <laughs> yeah, no, and, hopefully, I... and hopefully not have to go skating in any rinks in New York afterwards. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't. I, even when he was coming out, I didn't support the decision for them to take him. So I'm not surprised. And, you know, just keep in mind, we know there's other situations going on when it comes to the quarterback position. So if we didn't talk about one that you want to hear about, don't worry. We will get to it at some point. We don't, plan of this being our only you know episode about quarterbacks but you know that wraps up this particular section and it's instance 100 percent couldn't have said it better all right guys so for our last section for tonight's uh for this week's episode we wanted to do something different and this might become a regular thing uh we're gonna bring on a guest right now a good friend of ours named josh butler uh he's uh fantasy fanatic like us and we just want to get some takes on him as far as like you know his favorite quarterbacks go we're going to play a little game where we go over our mount rush towards the quarterbacks and we're going to have some fun with it josh how you doing today doing pretty good happy to be on the podcast yeah man we're happy to have you man luke you want to say anything to start off yeah yeah i'm very happy to have you on here josh i think we do need to start out with some controversy (laughs) that took place after the last episode uh, if you if you listened to a first episode, you would have heard me say I don't believe John Elway is a great GM. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, but I do not believe that he's a great GM. And a little bird told me, Josh, <laughs> that you have a differing opinion. I loved. I would actually love to hear your opinion. Um, while I know he has struggled as a GM over these last couple of years. I do think the biggest problem lies in him and his drafting ability to find a quarterback. Like, we know he's messed up with Paxton Lynch. That's probably his biggest draft blunder. But if it was also easy to draft a quarterback, like all 32 teams would have one, right? And I think he has finally figured that out with Drew Locke. We'll see how that happens. But historically, while you can argue he got lucky, with Peyton Manning, he still had to go through the free agency process. He wasn't the only one going after Peyton Manning's services. He was also able to put the offensive like powerhouse together for Peyton Manning, something the Colts arguably did not do as well over the, his career there. And while Peyton Manning, unfortunately, became like a shadow of his former self, like his last year there. Um, Elway, as a GM, was able to transition that offense from an offensive powerhouse to a defensive powerhouse within the same career in a four-year span. So just putting that into, like, I can't believe I'm coming on here (laughs) to defend Elway. (laughs) I I do think he's a top 10 GM in the NFL right now. Oh, okay. You know what? I think I I do see where you're coming from when you're talking about your where your take on how he changed the team's formula when Peyton got there. 
I definitely saw that as well, and I, I, I can't take that from him. I think when you talk about a GM, that the biggest thing that makes a GM is not the moves that they make, but the people that they personally bring in. So when I talk about <clears throat> Bill Belichick, what I, the thing about Bill Belichick is, is he's not known for going after these guys of free agency or trades. And when he does, everybody's shocked because it's not what he does. Same thing goes with the Green Bay Packers and their GM. I think what you see is that the best GMs grow their own talent. And if you look at John Elway's record since coming in to the NFL in the GM role since 2011, he's, he's had a first-round pick in every draft. And I have it pulled up right here. So from 2011 to 2019, he has only drafted one pro bowler in the first round. Granted, that's Von Miller, and everybody knows Von Miller. He's probably one of the best defensive players in the, 20th, in the 21st century. Other than Von Miller, though, however, he's drafted Derek Wolf in 2012, who, granted, was solid, but he was never a pro bowler. He never changed the identity of the defense. In 2013, he brought in Sylvester Williams, a defensive tackle. Bust. Huge bust. In 2014, he brought in Bradley Roby, not with the team anymore. I'd classify him as a bust. In 2015, he brought in Shane Ray, who in his first year showed promise, and then afterwards just fell off the map and is no longer with the team. In 2015, with the first-round pick, he brought in Paxton Lynch, who, as you clarified, huge bust. <laughs> Terrible bust. <laughs> no denying no that. Denying. And, then, and then in 2017, he brings in Garrett Bowles, trying to develop an offensive line for who he thinks is going to be the future, Paxton Lynch. Garrett Bowles, up until this point, has been a bust. And, but then, you know, I could say in 2018, 2019, he did bring in Bradley Chubb and Noah Font. And these are guys who can be future stars. However, they haven't gotten that Pro Bowl nod yet. They haven't taken that next step. With Bradley Chubb, that was because of injury. With Noah Font, that was just because he didn't have chemistry with Joe Flacco, and then once Drew Locke came into the situation, he developed good chemistry. But I do think when you look at those last two picks, it wasn't necessarily Elway grabbing somebody who, you know, he knew he could turn into something. It was more so the best available player on the board, and he would have been dumb not to pick them. I, th- I, think, I think if you look at a GM, you have to look at what they do with their first-round picks. Now, if you look at Carolina from the same period, from 2011 on. These guys drafted <clears throat> guys like Cam Newton, Shaq Thompson, and Cam Newton, Shaq Thompson, and, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on his name. He was just on the tip of my tongue. Christian McCaffrey. Gosh, I can't believe I forgot his name. <laughs> so they, they draft, like they, they were, they grabbed guys who weren't necessarily the best on the board besides Cam Newton, really, and turned them into something. So I think when you talk about great GMs, I don't think you can include John Elway because I don't think he's created anything. I think he's he's gotten lucky with some later picks in the draft. Definitely. A lot mm-hmm. of GMs do. But he's also brought in talent that was already proven outside of the Broncos. I can see your point there. But I, I feel like that's a little unfair for him because you have mentioned Bill Belichick. And while I love the guy, greatest of all time coach, 
he has been like over that same time period you have mentioned he has kind of been lacking on his first round hits and to be fair it's also it's almost always in like the latest part of the first round but like let's look at 2011 Nate Solder amazing offensive tackle got that behemoth of a contract for the Giants 2012 his by far his best year in the first round 21st pick Chandler Jones 25th pick Dante Hightower Mm -hmm. amazing 2013 didn't have a pick but 2014 Dominic Easley spent the I believe three years on the team before being released. That's not what you want out of a first round draft pick. Um, 2015 went defensive tackle again, Malcolm Brown. He had a few decent years here, but left as soon as his contract ended. Again, not really what you want from a first round draft pick. And while it remains to be seen with Isaiah Wynn, I do like him as an offensive tackle. He did pick Sony Michelle over guys like Chubb. <laughs> and then Nikhil Harry over guys like DK Metcalf. So again, greatest of all time coach, but I feel like that's not everything, especially for someone like Elway. He's made some risks and I feel like free agency, which is something he's excelled at in the past. I believe he will again is a huge part of being a GM as well. Yeah, just- yeah, that definitely plays into it. That definitely plays into it. I think when you talk about uh, free agency and whatnot, the only the only thing I see with Elway, however, is after Peyton left, he never got that team back to a Super Bowl contender. They hit. They had what I would call a really bad Super Bowl hangover, like mentioned with you know the Rams and Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. I mentioned so I, earlier. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that you know he still hasn't gotten them yet to playoff contention. And now Von Miller's aging. Von Miller will probably be off the team within the next year or two. And I think that's really important to remember. And until he gets that team back to where it needs <clears> to be, I don't know how you uh, classify him as one of the best GMs. I agree. I, I don't and I don't believe he's one of the top GMs. I would say he's like on the bottom half of the top ten at the moment. I believe the NFL draft within the next week is gonna be really telling around what kind of team he builds around your yeah. block. This next season's gonna be pivotal for defining Elway's um just His legacy. stature as yeah. a GM. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and that's a good point. You know, we talked about this earlier on the podcast. I'm sure you'll hear it later, uh, Josh, but I'll bring it up right now. Uh, we were talking about how, you know, a lot of times these quarterbacks get thrown in situations where they're never really given the chance to succeed. So this next year is pivotal to Drew Locke. Like, if they do not put the right weapons around him and the right line around him, they could ruin his career basically, and ruin, ruin his confidence and never be able to get his career off the ground more than anything else. I like his potential. I like what Denver is building. I'm a huge Noah Font guy, as both of you guys know. Uh, and, you know, I'm a big supporter of what they have going, and I'm kind of on the fence here. I could see what Josh is saying, and I could also see Luke's points as well. So I would say he's more middle of the road, uh, in my opinion, because I'm used to mediocrity as a Bills fan, so – you know, <laughs> for me, uh, I don't know what really classifies as a good GM, but, you know, uh, all jokes aside, we actually look like, you know, we do know what we're doing finally. And it's a good point that you bring up, too, about Bill Belichick, because uh, I think people 
would say if there is something that you can bring criticism towards the guy is that the Patriots have been notoriously uh, pretty bad at drafting, especially when it comes to their early round picks. Yeah. Second round, especially like we just can't stop finding horrible cornerbacks in the second round. (laughs) Well, at least you guys got to steal Stefan Gilmore for us and pay him a ransom, you know? (laughs) True. (laughs) That was surprising. I will say that I, when that Stefan Gilmore signing happened, I was, no, it's, I'm I wasn't shocked. This always happens. They they always, the bills, bills are like, okay, I'm tired of losing to the Patriots. So they just go sign with the Patriots and become superstars. I always say this. I'm like, why is every wide receiver who's horrible on the bills a star when he leaves? Like, why is Robert good, Woods good now? Like, why is that a thing when he was he was horrible for us? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Chris Hogan was a star for the Panthers and the and the Patriots for like five years after he left. He was nothing when he was in Buffalo. Like, literally nothing. Like, I just. Uh, Sorry, I'm frustrated. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. While we are on the topic of Patriots, I think that's a good time to now get into our next topic, our quarterback, Mount Rushmore. Mm. So quarterback, Mount Rushmore, it's the top four quarterbacks to ever play in the league. Josh is our guest. I'll let you start us off. All right. I have to go with my favorite quarterback of all time first, Tom Brady. Really sad he's not on the Patriots anymore, of course, but I, I'm happy he's, he's at least in the NFC, so I can still kind of root for him. But <laughs> I don't know. Like, what, what is there to say about Brady that hasn't been said already, right? Six Super Bowls, drafted in the sixth round, nine Super Bowl appearances, just attached to the greatest, arguably the greatest coach of all time. It's it, just for like an organization that had no Super Bowl victories prior to both of them coming like onto the team. It's just the stuff of legends, right? <laughs> but as my second quarterback, probably another gimme, Joe Montana, 4-0 in the Super Bowl. Just in an era where quarterback play wasn't as strong as it is today, he was still able to have a completion rate of 60% consistently. And his 72% percentage of 1989 wasn't broken until 30 years later. Again, in a completely different area of of Mm -hmm. quarterback football. For these last two picks, these are the ones that kind of made me think a little bit more. But I had to put Peyton Manning on as one of as my third five MVPs, um, single season passing touchdown leader. um, Nine more over who the next guy is: Drew Brees at forty six. Four Super Bowl appearances with four different head coaching like staff, which just made me think: like, what if Peyton Manning had someone like Bill Belichick? Oh man, don't make me dream! Don't make me! Don't make me dream! Oh my god! I I think that's a wet dream. I I I can't even even think about that, man. (laughs) And don't don't feel uh, don't feel uh, any controversy on putting Manning on your list because he made both of ours. So continue. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. One hundred percent. For my fourth quarterback, and was someone I felt was just should not have been left off like the NFL 100s list was Drew Brees. And I know I'm focusing on modern quarterbacks here, but he's the career leader in passing yards and touchdowns. This is a guy that's had more 5,000 yards passing than anyone else. He's had five over seven other quarterbacks who've only yeah. had one. That that's putting things in perspective here, right? He 
does have a Super Bowl victory. Like I, he's just been like the ex, like he exemplifies consistency, like in the modern day NFL. Like there's just nothing else you'd want from a quarterback. And to have someone who's like the career leader in passing yards and touchdowns, I felt was just a glaring omission by the NFL that I don't want to omit. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's actually I should state before I go into mine that we didn't discuss any of our our guys before we hopped on this. So I I agree with you, Josh. My my first three guys are Brady, Montana, Manning. I think mm-hmm. Brady's the best quarterback to ever play the game, most winningest quarterback to ever play the game as well. Hundred uh, percent. He's got the stats to back everything up as well. I then I would Montana is probably the best Super Bowl quarterback to ever play the game. He is. He's clutch when you need him. To, he was clutch when you need him to be clutch. He did play with two of the best wide receivers to ever play the game, uh, but he still was incredible, and you can't take that away from him. He was like he was a six-time All-Pro. You know, you don't achieve those heights without it. Manning is then the greatest regular season quarterback to ever play. I don't know if we would talk about Manning in the same light if he hadn't won those two Super Bowls. I think he had to have won that second one to really put him up there with the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. Because other and then up into that point, you didn't really see a clutch gene with Manning. Because when it came to push to shove, he didn't really have that whatever it is that quarterbacks have to get over that hump. The the <clears throat> only differing thing I actually have with you on the quarterback Mount Rushmore, and this one is, you might find a little funny, is I have John Elway as my fourth quarterback. <laughs> I think nice. I think when you're talking the best of all time, you also have to talk about winning. I think winning makes it. I think it's what makes Philip Rivers a guy who may never make it into the Hall of Fame. I think it's what makes mm-hmm. a guy like Dan Marino not the greatest of all time. John Elway put up two Super Bowl champions, the championships back-to-back. He was a Super Bowl MVP. He was an NFL MVP, a nine-time Pro Bowler, and a three-time All-Pro. The guy exuded winning. Was he a dick on the field? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people would say so. But the guy won, and he did it with class. I think, I think that Elway had a cannon arm that rivaled the likes of Brett Favre, but had the ability to make plays with his feet that at that time you did not see from quarterbacks. I completely agree with that. Like, he was the one that I was like, do I pick another championship winner or do I go for someone more statistically, like, strong? And ju- and it might be just because I thought that he was underappreciated by the NFL for its 100th anniversary that I chose Breeze over Elway, but I, I can't deny what you're saying at all. He's 100% up there for me as well. I, wanna f- I find it funny that uh... – <laughs> so we bring you on in um... – Luke's the one going after Elway in that, <laughs> and you're the one defending him. And now Luke has him as one of his top quarterbacks of all time. So, just, just, so yeah, right. Pretty so, ironic. No real hate from Luke, <laughs> as you can tell. Um, as far as my list goes, uh, so mine's a little different than both theirs, actually. So here we go. I got I got to defend myself on my picks. Uh, Brady and Manning are on my list. 
for obvious reasons, honestly, I don't really need to say anything else that's already been said, except for the fact that I'm surprised Luke didn't say it already. Brady is extremely handsome. He said it three times on the show I don't know why he didn't bring it up right now, but whatever, that's fine. Uh, but my third one is Dan Marino, who I think gets overshadowed and overlooked a lot. Um, you know, 59% completion percentage, 60,000 yards, 420 touchdowns. At the time, he smashed every passing record that had ever been created before him. 13 times in his career, he passed for over 3,000 yards and six times for over 4,000 at a time in the league where throwing wasn't what it is today. You know what I mean? Like, I get Breeze is impressive at all, but if you have to put a comparison to what Breeze is now to what the NFL used to be, I would say Marino and Breeze are very similar. Mm -hmm. Outside of the fact that, you know, obviously Marino didn't ever get the elusive ring. And besides that, they're extremely similar. He's, you know, 63 times he's passed for over 300 yards. That sounds like a really Drew Breeze stat. I don't know if that's what, what Breeze right now but you know what i mean like <laughs> the guy see a lot of similarities between the two of them and i just think a lot of people overlook that guy honestly at the end of the day and then my other one which uh some people might be happy about and some people might not be happy about and i'm gonna i'm gonna defend my my place of putting him on here is brett Favre. and when you go from a pure raw potential and raw skills uh standpoint i don't know if there's been a better quarterback to ever step on the field Patrick, um, Patrick, oh my God. Uh, Brett Favre was, Brett Favre was <laughs> sensational. And if he had a better work ethic, he could be like, you know, up there with one of the greatest of all time on everybody's list. You know, he obviously was a beast, especially in the mid 90s. Uh, from 1990, uh, 1995 to 1997, he won three NFL MVPs in a row, something that has never been done before and never. Maybe we'll never be, you know, duplicated again, which is just an incredible thing to think about during that span. And I, in my opinion, I always say this, too, is I see a lot of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I like I see a lot of Favre and Patrick Mahomes. Only Patrick Mahomes has a better work ethic. And you even saw like uh, they posted it everywhere this year. Like Patrick Mahomes only knew how to read defenses like halfway through this year. Like, are you kidding me? And Favre said he never knew how to read them. <laughs> Like his entire career, he just didn't know how. He just went out there and threw the ball. And this guy threw 70,000 yards. Get the hell out of here. Like, what? Like, like I just I, – that blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, no, it's – it's uh, I, I I can see where you're coming from with Marino and Favre adding them to your uh, Mount Rushmore. I think with Marino, like I said earlier, I think winning I it. really puts, yeah. puts a pin. Into, into a career. And I think, you know, Marino, there were, he had a 17 yeah, season. Probably the greatest season of all time. I, I don't know if that's going to upset you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> he did, but he, he did have the yeah. greatest season of all time, and he couldn't capitalize on it. He didn't have that clutch gene. And I think you can't talk greatness without clutch. Like, even in basketball, the reason why guys still compare – Kobe to LeBron, even though LeBron might be an all-around better player than Kobe, is because Kobe was clutch. Mm-hmm. And Kobe just had that chip on his shoulder that made him clutch, and you just never saw that with Marino. Now, with, with Favre, he did win. He was good. He was very, yeah. very lazy. <laughs> um, and I think when it, when, the problem was is when push came to shove, he was just like, all right, deuces, I'm out. And left Green Bay and was like, okay, I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm done. And then came back afterwards because he felt the heat of Aaron Rodgers right behind him. 
who might I just say, I think Aaron Rodgers is probably one of the most overrated quarterbacks to oh, play man. in the NFL. I think he's good. Ooh. I think he's good. <laughs> but I don't know if I would hold him to the, the gold standard that I'd hold other great quarterbacks. Josh, you got something to say on that? <laughs> um, it's not my battle to fight. Maybe Shaheen can. Yeah, no, I'm not sure. one. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps up our Mount Rushmore. We've got about five more minutes of Josh's time, so we're just going to ask him, uh, you know, to sort of recap his 2019 season for fantasy. Just because I know you had a very successful one, Josh. You took a few championships home in leagues that I was running, so I wasn't really happy to see that. And uh, just really his favorite quarterback, maybe going into 2020, maybe somebody under the radar. Uh, Josh, if you could pick somebody off the line. So I've been thinking about that. So you normally see like every year, there's going to be a quarterback that's not drafted in the first few rounds of a super flex. Last year, that Mm -hmm. quarterback was Lamar Jackson, like by far. So for my pick, I wanted to find someone that wasn't, the obvious that everyone's clamoring toward. So I didn't want to pick a Kyler Murray or a Deshaun Watson or anyone like that. Instead, I wanted to pick someone in those later rounds. So I have two. Um, If you're in a win now mode, I feel like if he's able to come back and show that he's healthy, Ben Roethlisberger at his price, that you can find him. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Like he was statistically the top three fantasy football quarterback just two seasons ago and where he's being drafted now the price that you can perhaps trade for him from another team he could be a league winner just just easily at that price um for more of a younger quarterback and i know he's considered top 10 fantasy or dynasty already but seeing what carson wentz was able to do with the weapons he had last year if they're able to put anyone like anyone yep. under like wide receiver core, just sky's the limit for the guy. Like I, we could use Justin talks for MVP a few seasons ago. Like I don't see why we can't, he can't yeah. return to that. Just yep. needs I couldn't agree more. He actually, we have a section on today's episode where we talked about quarterbacks. We love and Carson Wentz was one of the ones I talked about. I think, I think people are oh, just no, overlooking yeah. the hell out of the guy. I think a lot of people are, for some reason, writing him off and uh, saying that Dak Prescott's better. I'm sorry. I do not think Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. I will say that time and time again. I think Carson Wentz, if you could put a better team around the guy. I mean, again, we brought this up earlier, but you have to keep in mind, again, he has zero wide receivers go over 500 yards. Like, I just can't believe that. And he led that team to the playoffs. Exactly. Like, he, like, and I'm hoping for big things off of for JJW, but like, he didn't show up for the team last year at all. Like, even yeah. with all the injuries, Deshaun, like, Jackson, um, Alshon Jeffrey, he had the opportunity and just could not. Just like, imagine DK Metcalf on that team. I'm just going to keep coming to DK Metcalf. I know Luke doesn't mind. <laughs> nah, man. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, anything you want to say about your 2019 fantasy season, Josh? And just like maybe who was your MVP for last year? And then we'll wrap this up. Um, nice. I won four leagues out of 10. And the biggest consistency for all of those is mm-hmm. I had Kenyon Drake. On all of those yeah. teams, so shout out Kenyon Drake. 
You are amazing. You're I my think, uh, don't even get me started with yet. that. I <laughs> don't even get me started with Kenyon Drake. I traded this guy Kenyon Drake for Rashad Penny and a rookie and a rookie fourth round pick or something, fifth round pick, and then I lost to yep. Josh in the finals. Granted, I didn't. I didn't have Derrick Henry or, or Chris Carson, but goddamn, did you smack me? All right, so thanks for Josh again for being on the show. I uh, had some interesting insights to say the least. I still am going to stand by what I said, though. I don't think I'll weigh that good of a GM. <laughs> I figured you would. You're one of those people who really stands their ground at the end of the day, so I didn't think he was going to sway you, but it was great to have him on, honestly. And we just wanted to take a quick second and uh, really thank everybody. Um, the response to the first episode was really, really good. It was overwhelmingly positive, and we don't really plan on stopping this anytime soon. So uh, expect episodes to be coming out on Monday and Thursday moving forward, just so you guys have a schedule. Uh, next episode is going to be about rookies. So we're going to give you a little rookie primer, basically. We have a good friend of ours coming on, a guy named Shannon, who's got um, – just geez a plethora of knowledge when it comes to rookies and i think he's going to really provide some insight and obviously we'll give you some insight as well and just you know thank you guys again man this is this is sort of a dream of me and luke's and to have everything go so well uh from the first episode and just have the support of you guys means means the world to me honestly yeah 100 percent. you know me and kyle have been talking about doing this for a while now and you know unfortunately we just never had time and now with everything going on in the world, it's given us the opportunity just to be able to put our focus into this and our drive and our passion for football specifically. And I, I think I'm I'm really happy we got the chance to do this. I'm really happy for the support, especially the 45% of our audience that's from uh, Denmark. Really appreciate you guys. Yeah, man. Um, I also got to give a I got to give a quick shout out to a beautiful gal who helped me make some picks. One of my most recent drafts that turned out to be uh, hitters. So big shout out to you know who. Thanks, guys, again. We'll talk to you next time on Thursday.